You guys good this morning? Two of you? Awesome. Awesome. It's great. All right. Hey, um, man, I am excited about this morning, and I've been praying for today uh, because today we are going to talk about uh, some heavy stuff this morning. All right, we're in a series called Relationships. It's getting to the heart of the uh, relationships that matter most in our lives. And we're going to wrap the series up next week. But today, uh, I, I said this yesterday on Facebook, um, we're going to get real this morning. We're going to talk about some real stuff uh, this morning. So it's, it's probably going to get a little tense uh, in the room today. Maybe you've never heard a sermon on the topic of what we're talking about uh, today. And uh, so, uh, but we're going to open up God's Word here in just a moment and uh, see what God has for us. And, uh, but before we do, I want to pray one more time, okay? I want to pray and, and ask the Holy Spirit to uh, speak to us and to move in our midst here today. So let's, uh, let's pray. Um, God, I pray that, Jesus, you would move, God, in this place today. Father, I pray, Jesus, that you would grip our hearts and that, God, you would grip our minds. Because, God, if you don't come here today, we're not going to hear from you. If the Holy Spirit doesn't wake us up today, this is going to be another sermon. And we don't need another sermon. Nobody in here needs one more sermon. We need an experience with you. We need to see you today. And so, Father, I pray that over these next few moments, God, that you would open up our hearts and our minds, and God, that you would speak to us and apply this in any way that you possibly can. Maybe you're going to apply this to somebody today and, and it is not even directly related to the topic at hand, but God, you brought that person here because you're going to take this and you're going to apply it specifically to a circumstance in their life today. So God, I pray that we would be open to whatever you want to do here. And God, whatever you want to say, say it. And God, I, I cannot do anything today, uh, Jesus. I can't make people see. I can't make people hear. Uh, but you can. And so, God, I am dependent on you here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Don't show it on the screen, so keep it right there. In just a moment, we're going to be in Matthew 5. So if you want to go ahead and turn there, you can, uh, but we're not going to read it right now. I'm going to come back to that in about two minutes. Um, but if you want to turn to Matthew 5, uh, we're, we're, that's where we're going to be this morning. Um, but I want to uh, start off by saying this way, uh, saying this, and this is, like an, uh, this is uh, something that's not going to blow anybody's minds, I don't think. Um, but, you know, there are some things in the Bible that are hard to believe. Did you know that? You should have said, yeah, no kidding. Um, right? I mean, I mean, the center of our, I mean, so, so you're like, give me an example. Okay, well, we just celebrated and sang about a guy that was dead and decided not to stay that way and came back to life, and we sang to him. Okay? Uh, most people, when they, uh, when they pass away, they just kind of tend to stay there. Jesus did not. So the resurrection, that's an odd thing. I'll give you something else that's in the Bible, all over the Bible, that people have a hard time with in the world that we live in and in the church. Okay, because man, when I stand up here every single Sunday, I don't assume everybody agrees with me. I don't assume that everybody thinks about a topic, uh, especially even from the Bible, the way that I'm talking about it. I'm sure that there's all kinds of different opinions, and some of you struggle with things that we might, I might take for granted, like the fact that Jesus says He's the only way to know God. Right. So when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man can come to the Father except through me, man, we hear that in our world. A lot of people in the culture and a lot of people in church say, wait a minute. 
Man, there's so many different religions, and a lot of those people seem really sincere. Don't you think there's a back door? And, and, and just so there's no, uh, no, we don't leave it hanging, there is no back door. Jesus says he's the only way. But man, in the world that we live in, that is a hard pill to swallow, that Jesus is the only way. Another thing that's in the Bible that people have a hard time with is when you talk about money, right? Uh, we're not talking about money today, so some of you, you can exhale. You're, ah, you know, it's like money day. No, it's not money day. Um, but, um, but when you talk about money, especially tithing and giving people, oh man, I just don't know. That's, that's different. That's a hard thing to swallow. I'll give you another example. I'll give you another example. Uh, something that the Bible talks about that's, that's just out of left field in the culture that we're in today and people have a hard time with it is what the Bible says about relationships, dating, and sex. You know, so, so when you stand up or when you talk to somebody and you say, you know that God created sex to be between a man and a, a, man and a woman within the context of, of marriage. A lot of people hear that, and a lot of people in church hear that and say, Whoa, it's 2017. Come on, man. I mean, I mean, man, we've moved on from that right there. I mean, I don't know why Christians get so hung up on this, man. I, I just don't think that I'm there with you. That is a hard pill to swallow. I mean, it's 2017. You should be able to, to date whoever you want. You should be able to do whatever you want. I mean, we, we're kind of liberated. We've moved on from that oppressive way of thinking. And yet, as a guy who talks to a lot of people going through a lot of stuff, can I just submit to you that as liberated and as progressive as we like to think that we are in the world today, 90% of the time, when people come to me and they say, Mark, I need help. Mark, we need help. Mark, my kids need help. 90% of the time, and it does not matter the age that the person, it doesn't matter what age you are, it doesn't matter what age people are. This is from adults down to students, and it doesn't matter what kind of church it is. Man, I've worked in every kind of church. A church like this, a church where you have to wear a suit every week and real traditional, doesn't matter what kind of church it is, what the age is, 90% of the time when somebody comes to me and says, Mark, I need help, the thing that they want to talk about is something in the area of sex, dating, and relationships. Mark, I just did this, now what? Mark, we just did this, now what? Mark, I just found out that they did this, now what? Mark, this happened to me. Now what? So today, we're going to talk about uh, those kind of issues. And we're going to talk about it because it's an issue inside of the church, right? It's an issue inside the church. And when I say the church, I mean the big C church, but some it's right in there. I mean, we're right in there. None of us in this room has it all together. Every single person in this room is broken, and we say it all the time, that brokenness makes its way into everybody's life in all kinds of different ways. But this is an issue inside of the church. Several years ago, a survey was done of pastors all over the country. Thousands of pastors were surveyed all across the country, and they were asked one question. Do you struggle with an addiction to Internet pornography, or have you looked at Internet pornography in the last 30 days? Over Thousands of pastors from all over the country were surveyed, and over 50% of pastors admitted to being addicted to Internet pornography, or at least looking at it in the last 30 days. Think about that for a second. Over 50%. 
And so it's an issue inside of the church. Maybe it's an issue for you because all of a sudden you find yourself in that category, addicted to looking at things online. Or maybe it's a relationship with somebody, a coworker at work or somebody else that's went too far and now you don't know what to do. Maybe it's something that just found out that happened in your marriage with another person. You thought everything was great, but now all of a sudden this has been brought out into the open. See, this is an issue inside of the church. And my prayer this week and for the past couple of weeks, knowing what we were going to talk about this morning, my prayer for, my prayer for us this morning has been several things. One, if you are here this morning and you can already kind of sense where we're going today, if you are hearing this and you're thinking, Mark, listen, I've already blown this up. I've already messed this up. Mark, I've already went too far. I've already done a lot of things. Mark, listen, I'm sure that God is really angry at me because of all the ways that I've messed up when it comes to purity and sexual immorality in my life. Mark, I have messed up. So I know that God is probably really angry at me. Man, my prayer for you has been that you would know today that no matter how far you've been, you are loved by God right now. You are loved by God. But Mark, I did this, and you are loved by God. You are loved. So, so my prayer for you is that you, would, that you would know that if you are sensing, oh man, I know what this sermon's about, and I already feel condemned, I already feel judged. No, 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 there is grace for you, my friend, all right? And, and my, my, my prayer also has been that we as a church would see what God says here and that we would say, you know what, God's got a better way, guys, than what our culture is throwing at us, and we would joyfully surrender to what God says, And then my prayer for those of you who are hearing this and you're thinking, listen, man, this sounds like something that probably a lot of people deal with, but not me. I don't really struggle with this kind of stuff. I don't really struggle with issues like uh, pornography or lust or impurity. I don't really struggle with those kind of things. Well, if you're here and that's not you at all, praise God. But you need to know a lot of people deal with this stuff. A lot of people struggle in this area. So praise God that you don't pray for the people that do. Did you hear that? Don't judge them, okay, because you've got issues and struggles in your life. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But pray for the people that do. And also, just because you don't struggle with this right now, it doesn't mean that you don't need to watch your heart and your life. Okay? So Matthew 5, okay? If you've got a Bible, I want you to go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, we're going to be in verses 27 through 30 this morning, Okay? Words are up there on the screen, Matthew 5, 27 through 30. This is Jesus, and Jesus says this, You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. See, this is the longest sermon in the Bible that we've got from Jesus. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And when you read the Sermon on the Mount, it's in Matthew 5 all the way through Matthew 7. One of the things that you see Jesus doing over and over in this sermon, we actually saw him do it in verse 27. Jesus over and over will say this, You have heard it said... 
And then the next phrase is a quote from the Old Testament. So you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. That's a quote from the Old Testament. Now the audience listening to Jesus, their Old Testament would have been called the Pentateuch. That's the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That's what they had. And in the audience listening to Jesus' mind, in their mind, that was the Word of God. That was the Word of God on a scroll, on a parchment, in our modern language. That's the Word of God on a page. All right? So, so that is God talking when you read that. And when Jesus says, you have heard that it was said. So then he quotes the Old Testament. But then Jesus always does this. But I say to you, listen, that would have sucked the air right out of the room of the people that were listening to Jesus. Because here's what Jesus just did. You've heard God say this, but now I am saying this. What's he doing? Here's what Jesus is saying. You've heard God say this, now God is looking you right in the eye and saying this. Jesus, when he says, you've heard it said, but I say to you, Jesus is saying that knowing he's not just a good man, he's not a wise man, he is the God man. Jesus is saying, listen, I'm the same God that spoke to Moses on Sinai and gave him the law, gave him the Ten Commandments, and that same God has come in skin on through me, and I am talking to you now. So so Jesus is giving the word of God. And so look at what he says. He says, you've heard God say, you're... (laughs) I'm God, you've heard me say before, you shall not commit adultery. We get that, okay? Adultery, if you're taking notes, adultery, bad. Okay? Okay? Just if you're taking notes, keep a score at home, adultery, bad. But watch. But I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her, where? In his heart. Do you see what he, ha- you see what he does there? Jesus takes looking at someone of the opposite sex and taking that person and in your mind letting your thoughts run wild and making that person an object of your sensual desire. Jesus takes looking at someone and doing that and puts it on the same level as adultery. Says there's no difference. Jesus is talking about lust. So what is lust? I mean, let's, let's, be, let's, let's, let's try to answer that today. Because a lot of people, and I, and I get asked this from time to time, Mark, I mean, that's really harsh. We're going to dig in in just a second. Mark, that's really hard. What is lust? So let's talk about what lust is, okay? Let's, let's try to define it because we want to be as, really, as, as helpful as we possibly can. Lust is not when you look at somebody and you say, oh, well, you know what? They're handsome. Or, 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 or you know what? They're attractive. And then you just move on with your normal life. You know, lust is not when you see somebody and think, oh, you know what, that person's attractive. Or when you come to Summit and you say, oh, you know what, the preacher's really handsome. That's normal. It's normal. It's perfectly fine. That's not lust at all. I'm trying to be funny because it's already tense in here, okay? Trying to, there's not a lot of jokes this morning, okay? There's one, okay? That's not lust. That's not lust when you do that. I love what Brian Beloy, Brian Beloy is a pastor in Georgia. Here's what he says. He says, lust, it's not the look, it's the look back. It's the checkout. It's all about, listen, listen, it's all about this look for the purpose of feeding an inner sensual appetite. Say, Mark, can you give me some examples? Yeah, I'll give you some examples. So lust is when you look at somebody, like we've already said, lust is when you look at somebody of the opposite sex and you just let your mind run wild with all kinds of different scenarios. And instead of seeing that person as another image bearer of God made to know and worship God, you reduce them down to an object that was made for your pleasure and desire. 
That is lust. Lust is when you're online, you know, you're scrolling through your phone, and all of a sudden you come across that link, and you know exactly what you're going to look at, look at when you click on that link, man. I mean, you know exactly the kind of women, you know exactly the kind of guys, you know exactly the kind of images that you're going to see when you click on it. You know what you're going to get, and you click on it anyway, because that's exactly what you want. And you click on that link, and you look at that link, and you gaze, and you look at other links, and other links, and other sites, and other sites. That's lust. And by the way, when we talk about things like pornography, internet pornography, if statistics are true, if surveys are true of how many people struggle with this issue, don't hear that and think that's just a men's issue. More and more, this is becoming an issue for men and women, right? This is becoming something that that people across the board are addicted to. And listen, while we're on the topic of what we look at online, listen, Summit, listen, we need to be careful. We need to check our hearts about what we post online as well, all right? And maybe you don't mean anything by it. But when you post that image of you leaving little to the imagination of everyone looking at that image, You need to think about what the people looking at that image, how it impacts them. And I see a lot of people, and I hear a lot of people say, well, if you don't like it, just unfollow. If you don't like the way this looks, honey, just unfriend me. Romans 14 says we should not put a stumbling block in the way of another believer. So if, if that is genuinely your heart, then you've got some work you and Jesus have got to do today. Lust is also this kind of impurity, sexual immorality, sexual sin that Jesus is talking about. It's also when you, when you fantasize about maybe somebody else's spouse, somebody else's husband, because you see how caring and thoughtful he seems to be with his wife. Or somebody else's, somebody else's wife, because you see how maybe she gives him a lot of respect, and you think you deserve that kind of respect, and you begin to fantasize and think about, oh my gosh, what would it be like if I was with them? And you compare your current spouse with other people's spouse, and on and on and on. And Jesus says, listen guys, if we don't deal with this issue, it is going to deal with us, and we are not going to like where it's going to take us. You might be wondering, man, why is Jesus so hard on this? Because, I mean, Mark, after all, it is 2017, and it's just looking at somebody. Everybody does it. I've heard that before. I've heard that, especially with guys. Hey, we're men. That's what we do. Not followers of Jesus who are men. Jesus has called us to a different standard. Amen, guys? Jesus has called us to live a different way. We're not perfect, and we don't think we're better than other people, but Jesus calls us to be different people. Why is this such a big deal? Not just for Jesus, but in the Bible. Sexual sin. Why is purity such a big deal? Here's why, and, if, and literally, if you can't remember anything else I say this morning, here's one statement, you can keep this one. I want you to remember this. This is a big deal. Listen, God instantly forgives all sin, but there are some sins that it's really hard to shake the effects of. Let me say that one more time, I'll unpack it. God instantly forgives all your sin. When you confess your sin to God, 1 John 1, 9, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins. He doesn't hold it over your head or anything like that. You're instantly forgiven when you confess your sin to God. But man, there are some sins and the effects of those sins on our bodies, on our minds, the way we interact with other people, it is hard to break the effects of that sin. Show you where I get that. It's going to be on the screen here, I believe. 1 Corinthians six eighteen. flee, run from sexual immorality. Get away from it. Every other sin, why? Why be, why just run away? 
Every other sin the person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. That means sex is never just physical. It involves the entire person. There's no such thing as a one-night stand. There's no such thing as just hooking up. I am sinning against my own body. What does that mean? It means the effects last for a long time. Forgiveness is instant. Effects are longer. I'll give you another one. Look at this verse. Go ahead in the next slide there. Oh, it's not up there. Well, I'll look it up for you. You can turn. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. You got a Bible, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 here. I want you to look at this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 through 8. It says this, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who don't know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger of all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us to impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit. Look at verse six again. That no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter. Listen, when you're looking at those images online, if you're a guy and you're into this and you're knee deep and you're just in the bondage of it, you are looking at somebody's daughter. Would you want someone looking at your daughters the way you look at that woman? Would you want someone thinking about your daughters the way that you use that other woman or ladies, men, for our sons in your mind? Say, I'm just looking. No, the Bible says it's bigger than that. It's impacting us. It's doing something to my heart. So here's God's will for my life. God's will for my life is as easy as this. Verse 3, this is God's will. This is the will of God, your sanctification. God's will is not that I would live my life driven by my desires. God's will is to make me like Jesus period. It's to change me. Now, maybe you hear that and you say, Mark, there's no way we can do that. Two things. Number one, you're absolutely right. There is no way we can live the way that God is calling us to live without the Holy Spirit. You can't do it. You have got to have, man, supernatural power from God. You've got to have the Holy Spirit under the hood of your life, giving you a deeper love for Jesus than anything the world wants to throw at you to live this way. You've got to have supernatural power. We are not talking this morning about sucking it up, trying hard, living by willpower. No, no, no. We are talking about living by Holy Spirit power, right? So you can't do this on your own, but you can do all things through Christ, okay? And number two, if you really think If you really think that there's no way anybody could live this way, then all that shows is that you have bought the world's lies that have told you and have told me that all we are is our sexuality and desires. That's why you don't deny yourself. That's why you don't say no to you. Sexuality, the world says, is not a part of who you are. It is who you are. It defines you. So you never say no to it. Listen, but the Bible has a different message. The Bible says that sexuality, yes, it's a part of us, but it doesn't define us. We are made in the image of God. You are more than your desires. And on top of that, if you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus defines you and nothing else, right? Every parent who looks at teenagers and says, well, they're teenagers, that's of course what they're going to do. It at least shows that you are more like the world than you are Jesus in this area. Every person that says, I've got desires and I deserve to have my desires met and it doesn't matter if I have to sin to have them met, it at least shows you are out of the will of God right here. And God has a better way. 
And God has the power to get you out of whatever bondage you're in today. It doesn't matter if it's sexual immorality or what your struggle is. There is power in the name of Jesus to have freedom today. So how can you have freedom? How can you have freedom? Three things. I think Jesus says three things. We're going to go through these pretty fast here. I think Jesus shows us three things that we can do in Matthew chapter 5 so that we can have freedom in the area of purity and any area in our lives. So you might want to write these down. The first thing, if you want freedom in this area or any area of your life, number one, you got to get to the heart. You got to get to the heart. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 28. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Listen, Summit, lust starts in the heart. It doesn't start with the eyes. It doesn't begin with that text message that was inappropriate that you shouldn't have sent to that person. Lust starts in the heart. In fact, all sin starts in the heart. Did you know that? The problem is not my hands. The problem is not my eyes. The problem is not my feet and where they take me. Those are byproducts of the real problem. The real problem is my heart. See, when the Bible talks about heart, when God talks about our heart, when Jesus is talking about our heart here, heart in the Bible is what you live for. It's what you love more than anything else. It's what gets you out of bed Heart is what you love and live for more than anything else. And for a lot of people, including followers of Jesus, the thing we love more than anything else is ourselves. That's why Jesus will say this. Now we can show that verse there, Matthew 16, 24. If anyone would come after me, let him, what are the two next words? Deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Deny himself. See, sometimes you got to say no to you. Can we all just say no right now? Say it out loud. No. When's the last time you said no to you? Jesus, when Jesus says you got to deny yourself and take up your cross, here's what he means. He means something inside of me and you has to die. What's going to die so that you can follow Jesus? Maybe it's not lust or sexual immorality at all. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's selfishness. Maybe it's anxiety. But you want real change in your life? Real change doesn't come by first changing your behavior. Real change happens when our hearts change. When I love Jesus more than my sin, I am starting to change. All right? Number one is get to the heart. Number two is get serious. Number two is get serious. Look at verse 29. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out. And throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. Listen to me. Do not go out this week and cut off your right hand and gouge out your right eye. Did you know that there have been a lot of people in the history of Christianity that read those verses and went out and did that exact thing? Did you know that? I mean, really, they really have. And do you know what they discovered? that you can do just as many messed up things with your left hand. That was free. No kidding. Why? Because, again, the problem's not in my hands. Where's the problem? It's my heart. So Jesus isn't saying, literally, gad your eye out. What Jesus is saying this, listen, if this is a problem in your life, Do whatever it takes to get it out, even if it needs to go so far as to cut your hand off or to gouge your eye out. But you got to get serious about it. Why should we get serious about it? Look at this. Jesus says it's better to gouge your eye out than go to hell. Can that send me? Can lust 
Send me to hell? Do you mean if I do what Jesus is talking about, will I lose my salvation and go to hell? No, you can't lose your salvation. But Jesus is saying this, listen, this road, if you stay on it and you never confess and deal with the sinful, fact, sinful act that it is, if you just stay on this road, this road is going to lead you to regret, shame, disaster, and unchecked, it could lead to eternity separated from me. you got to get serious about it. Summit, we need to get serious about our sin. Amen? Man, we got to get serious about it. If we're going to get serious about what Jesus is talking about and our sin in general, we got to get excited about two things that we don't talk about a lot more anymore today. Holiness and obedience. Holiness and obedience. We don't talk about those things anymore, hardly do we? We don't. We don't. Why not? Because we are looking for the next big thing. We are looking for the next mountaintop experience. We are looking for excitement and thrills. I mean, when I said holiness and obedience, nobody in the room said, yes, about time. Right? Chest bump your neighbor. You didn't do that. Man, I hear so many Christians today looking for goosebumps and feelings. And listen, if you, so, some of us, we need to be really careful because some of us have started to pursue goosebumps and feelings, and we're not pursuing God. And if I am pursuing experience but not God, then experience is my idol. I hear a lot of Christians talking about purpose and destiny. Listen, God's destiny for your life, if you want to experience it, it is on the pathway of daily obedience. I want God's purpose for my life. Do you think you're going to experience it if you're not obedient to Jesus? No. You will miss that purpose. Obedience is not perfection, but it is daily saying, Jesus, I will do what you say. Why? Because I love you. Holiness. Holiness, man, we've taken holiness made it an insult. You think you're holier than everybody else? Holiness in the Bible just simply means that in your heart you say, Jesus is first. That's all it means. Not perfect, but Jesus is first. Jesus is first in this area. And if we're going to get serious, we've got to get serious about being holy and obeying Jesus, listening to what he said. So, so what would it mean to get serious about what Jesus is talking about here? I think it would mean two things here. They're on the screen. Number one, stop making excuses. Well, I deserve to be in this kind of relationship. I deserve to send those kind of pictures and to get those kind of pictures. I deserve to have my needs met. I work a lot. I'm tired. I'm really stressed out. We need to stop making excuses. If you are making excuses for your sin, you're not serious about dealing with it. Amen? You're not, man. I love you enough to tell you that. If you are making excuses for your sin, well, Jesus says this, but you know what? I'm different. You're on this road, and you got to cut your hand off because it will kill you if you don't. Number one, man, we got to stop making excuses. And number two, we got to have a plan of attack. What's that plan of attack? Some of you, it might mean you get rid of your smartphone. Go back to one of those early 90s flip phones, Right? Or listen, if you can't handle that, get the Zach Morris brick phone. Bring that bad boy back. Right? Right? Do it. I'm, I'm dead serious. Some of you, that's exactly. Some of you, you got to get rid of your computer. Mark, I thought it was changing my heart. It is changing my heart. But some of you, the pathway to your heart is your computer. Get it out. Get it out. Get it out. You might need to quit your job. Say, is it that serious? It's as serious as cutting your hand off. 
Because you know and that person at your work office knows that there's a relationship and if you don't deal with it now, if you don't cut it off now, you will lose your family and you will lose everything you've worked for. Quit my job? Absolutely. Why? Because following Jesus is better than worldly satisfaction. If that's you, if that's you, if that's you, man, I'll tell you one plan of attack. You cannot, you cannot fight this stuff on your own, church. If you're in the bondage of sexual sin or any kind of sin, you're in that kind of bondage, you can't fight that on your own. you got to have a community of people in your life who love you enough to look you in the eye and tell you the truth. you got to get this out. Too many times when Christians get together in small groups or they get together and they talk, it almost becomes a competition of who's, who's messed up the most. Right? Well, I'm struggling with this. Oh, well, I'm struggling with this too. Oh, well, I'm struggling with this too. Well, Jesus has saved us, but we all stink. And we're just licking each other's wounds. You need somebody in your life that loves you enough to look you in the face and say, hey, listen, that's got to go. If you don't have anybody like that, can I be that person for you right now? Can I be that person for you and just look you in the face and say, listen, that has got to go. In Jesus' name, that's got to go. I'll tell you, a great group that you can join is Celebrate Recovery. Wednesday night at 6 o'clock, there's a group of people that get together, and they're, just, they're, they're helping people walk in freedom, and that path of, that, that to begin to experience the victory God has for you, you should go to Celebrate Recovery. This Wednesday, 6 o'clock, it meets in our multi-purpose room. Well, Mark, what will people think about me if I go to that group? I'll be exposed. You're already exposed. Jesus knows. And you are loved, and they will love you, and I am telling you anyway, 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 it is better to follow Jesus than be respected by the world. And it is. So we got to get to the heart. We got to get serious. And last one, number three, we got to get desperate. We got to get desperate. Desperate for what? Desperate for the power of God to break us free from this. We got to get desperate from the, for the power of God to set us free from, from the bondage that we're in. If it's sexual sin, whatever you are addicted to, whatever the struggle is in your life, we've got to get desperate for God. Getting desperate for God simply sounds like this. Jesus, I need help. Jesus, I need help. Jesus, I need help so that you can renew my mind so that this trash, this filth is driven out and my mind is filled with your word Jesus I need help to believe that you can even get me out of this because Jesus I'm struggling to believe that I need help I am desperate for you to break me free say Mark I've tried that before Mark I've tried to pray about it Mark I've tried to get into the word of God man I'm still I'm still addicted I'm still struggling I'm still looking at this stuff Mark I have heard sermons like this and I tried it before okay how long did you try it? I tried it for a couple of weeks. Yeah, but you've been addicted for over a decade. I tried it for a couple months. You've been addicted. You've been addicted to that stuff since you were in your early teens, and now you're 50. See, every day we're feeding these things, and we wonder why anxiety has, has our lives the way it does. And we wonder why lust has our lives the way that it does. And we wonder why these things have our lives the way, the, the, the way that they do. It's because every day I'm feeding those things, and the more I feed them, church, the stronger they get. And what I need to begin to do is starve them and feed the Holy Spirit in my life. 
Say, how do I do that? Well, I just went over some of them. Do not underestimate the power of this word in your life. Do not underestimate the power of going to God honestly in prayer and begging God to help. Do not underestimate the power of believers united and rallying around you to help you to recover, a.k.a. the church. You can do all that stuff, and you can do all that stuff. You can do all that stuff, but here's the most important thing. you got to believe it. If you open up this book and you read everything in this book and the whole time you're reading it, you're saying works for other people but not for me, and you read every verse and you listen to every sermon and you take all these notes and you quote all these verses and you don't believe a one of them, no wonder this book is irrelevant to your life. you got to believe it. You're praying and you're honest with God and the whole time you're praying, he ain't listening. <laughs> Whatever. He ain't listening to me. He ain't listening to me. That's why your prayers feel ineffective. You're coming into this church and you're keeping it all in. Well, these people don't care about me and I don't care about them. They're all jerks. I don't know none of them, but I think they're all jerks. And that's the mindset that you've brought in because that's the mindset that the enemy has fed you, that you've fed you, and God wants to break you free from that. You've got to get desperate for the power of God to set you free. So I want to say this and then we're done. We'll say this and then we're done. A couple of things, a couple of things, all right? Man, number one, if you have found yourself today convicted by the Holy Spirit and you have discovered, man, I am in deep in this stuff and i got to deal with it, I want you to know that no matter how deep you are, there is grace enough in God to pull you out of those depths. And great, and change, change does not happen overnight, but change is possible. Amen? Change is possible. Change is possible. Today, you can begin the process of change how? By getting to the heart. God, i got to deal with this. No more excuses. Getting serious about it. Getting desperate. Jesus, I need help today. If that's you today, man, there is no shame in going to God for help. That's why he's there. He wants you to come to him. When you go to God like that, church, God doesn't look at you and say, no, 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 you got to clean off first, bro. You're real messed up. No, Jesus says, I came for the sick, and that's you. And I came for the hurting, and that's you. And if you are sick, and if you are hurting, and you need help, Jesus Christ says, come. Just come. If you're here today, if you're here today, this is hard. If you're here today, and then God has just dealt with you about something in your life, and you know that God wants you to confess it to your spouse. And if you are the spouse of a husband that might confess something because of what God does here today, or a wife, that might, or, or a wife, somebody that might confess something because of what God does here today, man, that is a hard moment. But I want to say, in that moment, if you can, or maybe just after that moment at some point, our church would love to help you Walk through that moment and try to rebuild something and get to the place where God wants you to be. If you are here today and you are a teenager and God has spoken to you today and he has said, I know all your friends are into this stuff, but I'm talking to you. And I am calling you to freedom today. If you are the parent of a teenager, and they come to you and they say, Mom, Dad, I'm not doing well. And I'm stuck in something. 
Or maybe it's not a parent. Maybe they come to you. Maybe you're a volunteer in a student ministry or, or just something. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at stuff I shouldn't be looking at. I'm, do, I'm involved in some stuff, man. I mean, the, if a student comes to you and does that, would you go to God and ask God for enough grace to not freak out in that moment and to yell and to scream? I, I know you want to. I know you want to. But in that moment, would you ask God for enough power to just grab them and hug them and hold them tight and say, I'm in this with you. I'm walking in this with you. And to begin to give them grace. Because see, something if God gives us grace in the messes of our lives, we can give grace to other people. That is easy to say in a sermon. Hard to do in life. But there's power in God to do it. Would you pray with me? Why don't you just, right now, in this moment, between you and God, why don't you just ask God to say, God, I want you to just ask God today, God, what do you want me to do with this? How does this speak to me? Some of you, you instantly know that answer. I don't, but you and God do. Maybe you're hearing, God, how does, how does this apply to me? I don't, I don't struggle with those kind of things. And maybe right now the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and he's saying, you know what, you're right, you don't. But this seems to be an issue that comes up over and over and over in your life. And I would love to deal with that. I would love to help you. And I would love for you to experience the freedom that I can give. Now, it's hard, but I would love to do that in your life. God, I love you. I love that Jesus is just not afraid to get under my skin. And he is not afraid to get under our skin. And he is not afraid to call us to live in radically different ways than the world lives. There might have been somebody that heard this today and said, man, this sounds crazy. It's just something everybody else does. It's just looking at other people and It's no big deal. Jesus, the reason that you say it's a big deal is because these kind of things keep us from the one thing we were made for, and that's you. We were made to know you. We were made to walk with you. And anything that gets in the way of that is not worth it. So Jesus, I thank you that not only are you, you're not afraid to get under the skin of our lives and and talk to us about the hardest issues, You are not afraid to look at us right there in our mess and to say, I love you. And to stick with us in it and to bring about real change. So with every head bowed, with every eye closed, I'm not going to do anything today that would embarrass you. But you know what? Experiencing freedom, real freedom from God, man, it's impossible to have if you're not honest with God. It's impossible. And it starts with simply saying, God, I need help. So if that's you here today, if that's your prayer, if that's you today, say, God, I need help. I need help, God. 
Only you and God know what that's about. But if you would, would you just raise your hand right now so I can pray for you about any issue in your life, sexual immorality or anything. If your heart today is, God, I need help, would you just raise your hand right now? Raise your hand right now. God, I need help today. Hands are going up right here. Right over there's more hands in the back. Raise them up high. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be afraid. Right over here's another one. There's another one. You say, I need help today. This is an issue in my life or this is something that God's speaking to me about. God, I need help right now. This is a moment where you can get honest with God about it. Just go ahead and raise your hand right now. If you didn't raise your hand, raise it up right now. There's another hand. God bless you. Anyone else? I I need help. God, you see every hand. You see every person. And Father, I pray that Jesus, that you would be that help. God, that we would get to the heart and we would just acknowledge, God, we need help. We need to change. And we would get serious about it. And we would get desperate for the power of God in our lives. Whether it's this issue of sexual immorality we've talked about today or it's something totally different, God. But we would get serious about following you, Jesus. I want to tell you today that help doesn't start unless you have a relationship with God. You know, we talked about the Holy Spirit causing you to live in a different way. Do you have the Holy Spirit in your life? Do you have Jesus in your life? Do you know him? Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ today? If the answer is no, if you're not saved, I believe that God brought you here and put you in that seat because today is the day of your salvation. I'm going to give you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus Christ right now. And let me tell you what this doesn't mean. This doesn't mean that you can pray a prayer and all of a sudden, boom, it's taken care of. You can go to heaven and then live however you want. No, that's not what it means. To give our lives to Jesus means that Jesus becomes our Savior and our Lord. So if today you know you need help, you want change, you know you need God in your life, and you want to begin to live for Him right now, I'm going to pray a prayer, and I just invite you to pray this prayer with me right here today. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me right now. I give my life to you today for the very first time. I want to follow you, Jesus. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live for you starting right now. God, thank you for everything that you have done for me. I love you, Jesus. It's in your name I pray. Amen. No one is looking around. No eyes are open or anything like that. But I'm going to ask you to do the same thing I just asked everybody to do a moment ago. If you just prayed to give your life to Jesus Christ, if today you asked Jesus to save you for the very first time, I would love to celebrate with you. So if you just prayed that prayer, would you just raise your hand right now? Say, Mark, today I got saved for the very first time. I asked Jesus to save me. Raise your hand right now if you did that. Just go ahead and put your hand up in the air. Anybody in the room that needs to do that or made that decision today? Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you that Jesus, you are radically invested in our lives, God. You want to get down into, into the daily matter of our life. Change us and make us like you. So God, as we depart here today, as this service comes to an end, uh, worshiping you doesn't come to an end. Living for you doesn't come to an end. There's a world out there that Jesus, you want to reach and you want to change. And so Father, I pray that they would see our hope. I pray that they would see our love. I pray that people would see how Jesus is alive in us and that Jesus, they would want that same thing in their life. It's in your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Church, let's praise God. Let's thank God for today, man. I want to challenge you to do something.
Okay, I want to challenge you to do something before anybody, uh, before everybody starts getting up and moving. There's going to be volunteers all over this room here in just a minute with baskets where you can put your connection card in. Again, if you're a first or second time guest, take that card to the welcome table. We've got a gift for you. But let me say this. A lot of people raised their hand a minute ago to say, you know what, I need help. Or maybe you didn't, but that's you. We really want to help you. We really, this is not a sermon and then, all right, see you, have fun. We'll do it again next week. We really want to help you. And so if you would take your connection card, and now your name and a contact info has to be on it, okay, for us to really try it, because we'd love to talk to you and just walk with you through it. But if you would, if you raised your hand, or maybe you didn't, but you're just sitting there and you're saying, man, I need help. I need help. Um, I would love for you to take your connection card, and in that section where we give you for prayer concerns, you can write in there exactly what you need help for, or you can just write on there, I need help. And we will contact you this week because we want to help. We want to love you and help you follow Jesus. All right? So, so man, I would challenge you to put that on that card and drop it in one of those baskets. Uh, give it to one of our volunteers as you're leaving today. Hey, everybody stand up. If you need to take time to fill out that card, do that. If you didn't get one, they're all over the lobby out there. But, man, thank you guys so much for being here. Man, I pray you guys have a great Memorial Day and uh, day tomorrow. You guys are dismissed. God bless you guys. Thanks for being here today. Love you guys. See you next week.